0: Listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to Abidechurchfl.com and enjoy today's message.
1: Thank you, man. Well, we're we're here for a prayer meeting, so I don't want to go long. I'll only go a couple hours. And then uh we'll have a couple more hours of intercession. Right, Marcus? We're here till what ten to ten, eleven tonight? AM. We we signed up for the night watch. Y'all didn't even know. Um, I will, I I do, uh, uh, I just, I have a sobriety in my heart about this. Um, I'm going to share a couple stories real quick and then uh, I do have notes for you guys. I'm realizing as I'm looking at them that, you know how, when you open up notes on another computer, the formatting gets all jacked up. So that's what happened. So, um, that's like a pet peeve of mine. So sorry about that. But, um, I, uh, I do feel like, We are in one of those moments across the earth right now that is, um, I don't want to exaggerate by saying once in a lifetime, but in a sense, I think that's actually true Um, in terms of some of what's happening across the earth. And Marcus was just describing it uh, on March 6th, I got this email from Mike Bickle, who's the director of the... uh, International House of Prayer in Kansas City. And it, it was maybe to a couple hundred leaders or something like that. And it said, can you jump on this Zoom call today? It's the most important leadership meeting of my life. And I'm like, what in the world? I had other plans, but when you get an email that's like the most important of my life, I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to shift my schedule, jump on this Zoom call. And as a side note, they they ended up just like publishing the Zoom call. So you can actually find it online um, and just hear it. But basically, he was describing this narrative. And I'm going to try to give you, Marcus already gave you a a great summary of it. But uh, right now, how many of you know the the prayer movement that is exploding across the earth is sovereign? And it is moving at a level that, that has never happened in history before. Um, I've got South African friends here. The Global Day of Prayer started in South Africa with Graham Powers and started filling stadiums. I remember the Global Day of Prayer service in Virginia that I was standing in, and they had crafted prayers that we all prayed together, like the whole world, every continent. And they were estimating—I'm um, trying to remember the exact number. It, it was multiplied millions. I don't want to get the number wrong that were gathered either in stadiums or churches or arenas or fields or whatever on every continent. And we are all praying the same prayers at the same time. I multiplied millions of people. And we got to the last prayer where it's Revelation 22, the spirit and the bride say, come. And as I said that sentence, it hit me that millions from every continent were saying the same phrase at the same moment on the same day in the same prayer meeting, essentially asking Jesus to return and like uh, literally just begin to weep in the, in the church we were in in Virginia, realizing I'm sure there was a gathering here. I'm sure there were gatherings all over the world. And that's not a fad that's about to go away. It's a sign of the times. And so we're in another moment like that right now where actually a friend of mine, a guy named Jason Hubbard, he leads something called the International Prayer Connect. The International Prayer Connect represents... Um, 5,000 prayer networks, and those networks represent, uh, they say, upwards of a couple hundred million intercessors. Now, those numbers seem so large, it's hard to get your mind around, but most of that's not America. It's all over Asia. It's all over Europe, all over the Middle East, Africa, and of course, America too but 5,000 prayer networks representing over 100 million intercessors in the prayer networks. And those prayer networks collaborated with these house church planting movements in the Middle East and in the 1040 window, unreached people groups. They got together, had a meeting in Kansas City and decided that they were going to move with the church planting movement and the uh, 5,000 prayer networks. So I know it's big numbers we're throwing around here, but we're talking a couple hundred million intercessors moving with church planting movements that represent millions of people in the unreached people groups. And they agreed together that they would target the top 100 cities in the world that represent unreached people groups. Did you guys catch that whole narrative? And so, and they decided they would pick four days throughout the year to target a specific. Uh, region of the world where the hundred plus million intercessors would all pray from every continent for that region. And so they picked May the 28th for the whole world to pray for Israel. So there's three other days of prayer for uh, other regions of the world, like uh, the, the Middle East just happened a few weeks ago. But May 28th was the global day of prayer for Israel And the significance of this, so Mike is sharing about how that day was historic for them in IHOP and they had already planned a 21-day fast to culminate and something dropped in their heart to call the nations of the earth to all pray and fast 24-7 in many places, not everywhere, but 24-hour prayer with over 100 million intercessors joining on May 28th. To pray for Israel, they they've said, What if we call the entire world to 21 days of prayer and fasting for God's salvation purposes in Israel to unfold? And, and the reality of that is that he might Mike, Mike began to say, I've been asking historic church historians, messianic leaders. If anything like that has ever happened in history before, and the resounding answer was we have never heard of anything like this where the entire Gentile world to the tune of millions of people is coming to to agreement with Isaiah 62 for God's purposes for the Jewish people to unfold um, across the earth. And we realized we were stepping into something that was sovereign and something that was historic and something that was biblical. And so just to set the context, we are in one of those moments where it's good to wake up and pay attention right now to what's happening. I was on another personal email thread with Bickle the other day asking about something else. And I asked him about some dates later in the year. And he said this, he wrote this email back. He goes, He goes, to be honest with you, I don't know what the world's going to look like after May. And it just, the words hit me. You know, it's like, what what does, I mean, do we believe Luke 18 or do we not? That when the elect cry out day and night, justice comes quickly. Well, if that's the case, we're about to see at this point, Marcus said, there's over 5 million is, is the number I'm hearing. Now, they're not saying that number publicly. Most of the time they're saying a million but their estimates are actually closer to 5 million, are doing the 21-day fast. And then about 100-plus million are doing the May 28th day of prayer for Israel, which incidentally happens to be the day of together here in Tampa Bay. When I got off that call with, um, with Mike, I, I immediately called Geo. I go, like, they're culminating on together for the whole world to pray. I just want us to catch this. We don't want to hype anything. We don't want to exaggerate anything. But at the same time, we want to have our eyes open. Yeah? Right now, millions of believers, 5 million, are doing a 21-day fast. And 100 million are doing a global day of prayer for Israel this month. Never happened, not only in our lifetime, but the best we can tell, has never happened in the history of the earth. And I think Mike just might be right. Who knows what the world will look like after a moment like that? On every level, shakings and revivals and all of the above. When the church begins to come into that sense of unity and togetherness around the prophetic purposes of God, it is the strongest force on the earth the praying church, more than the United Nations or whatever government or military entity, the praying church in unity is the strongest force on the earth and right now it's mobilized. The Muslim world is praying for Israel. So I I think it would behoove us to get some understanding. Now I'm not gonna have time to go through all these notes because we really do wanna pray tonight. We're not just here for an extended class, but we also, we don't wanna relate to the subject of Israel simply around a soulish or political or whatever other context. We, we don't wanna just relate to Israel based on politics or our emotions. Like we wanna get rooted in a biblical narrative that causes us to be, uh, to operate in a place of intimacy with Jesus. This is about intimacy because Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. And I don't know about you. I want to be with him where he is. Yeah. Yeah. It's really about him. And so, to get the understanding is critical. Let me tell you a, one more quick story. This is personal. Years ago, we we started twenty four hour prayer for the first time, and this was to be honest with you, this is before it was. I won't say it's popular now, but at least it's known now. You know, like back then there was one place doing it in America we'd heard of it was a little trailer in Kansas city. And I went there as a spiritual tourist. I'm like, what are they doing? And really hadn't heard of much, but we started just doing a few 24 hour prayer moments. And we're just early on in the process. And my now brother-in-law has this dream from the Lord. And in the dream, he walks up to my house, my parents' house at the time, walks up and knocks on the door in the dream. And when the door opens, Ronette, who's sitting right here, in the dream, is standing there. And in the dream, she says, Ben, there's an angel in the living room with a message for you. So in the dream, he walks into my living room, and there's an angel. And the angel says three sentences. Now, mind you, we've just started day and night prayer. We, we're very young in this, this kind of realm of God, of the prophetic, but this angel says three sentences about the earth. And then the third, the third sentence is this, tell David Bradshaw to pray for Israel. So he comes back, he calls me, he goes, I had this crazy dream, angel in your living room, tell David Bradshaw to pray for Israel. Fast forward a couple weeks, Ronette calls me, she goes, I had a dream last night. Like, what is it? She says, I heard the voice of the Lord in the dream, like the thunderous voice of the Lord. And the Lord said three sentences. And she proceeds to say word for word, the exact same three sentences with the last sentence being, tell David Bradshaw to pray for Israel. And I, I, I'm like, did you talk to Ben? She goes, what are you talking about? No, I didn't talk to Ben. I just want to declare to you, you can't make that up. The exact same three sentences without any communication, two separate dreams, right when we're beginning our 24-hour prayer narrative. Now, I'd never really prayed for Israel my entire life. I, I had no grid for praying for Israel. My vision was if we could see a couple hundred young adults saved in our region, I would be on cloud nine no thought of the Middle East, no thought of the nations, no thought of Israel, barely a little bit of the nations, but definitely not of Israel. And I'm just like, I'm on like, what is that about? Angel and one audible voice of God in the dream and the other tell David Bradshaw to pray for Israel. So like I prayed for Israel once. I was like, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but in Jesus name, I pray you. I just bless Israel. Amen. Done. Had no idea that the Lord was trying to hijack my life, and to be honest with you, confront my worldview. I have a friend in Fredericksburg. His name's Bowie Curry. He's seventy-something years old now. He's a spiritual general in that area in Virginia. He everybody at the Global Day of Prayer, for example, they gave a standing ovation when they called his name. All the churches. He's that guy in the region. And I remember he was, I started praying with Bowie every day. We'd gotten this really close friendship and we started praying every day together for for many, many years. And he told me how he was part of a denomination, a movement that didn't believe there was any kind of um, future tense purpose of God for Israel. And that was just his theological paradigm, and he had no real grid otherwise, no real thought otherwise. And then one day they had a guest minister at their prayer conference, and the guy stands up and he goes, we're going to pray for Israel. And he said, all of a sudden, in spite of his theology, in spite of his worldview, instantly travail hits the whole room at a level he had never experienced in any prayer meeting in his entire life. And he was confronted in that moment that his worldview was wrong. He was confronted by the Holy Spirit about his perspective because in all their prayer meetings, he had never had that kind of power hit the prayer meeting like compared to when they entered into that prayer for Israel. So that was a, a beginning of a journey for me. Bowie's telling me that the angel shows up in the dream. But how many of you know you don't need an angel in a dream? I'm thankful because Jesus helped us. I probably wouldn't be up here talking about this if God hadn't disrupted my life and called me to think past my own little world, you know, and get outside of my bubble and, and just follow the lamb. This is really about him. It's not, about, it's not primarily about Israel, Jew, or Gentile. It's primarily about the worth and the glory and the honor of the God-man, the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. It's about him. That's what we're here to talk about. We're not here to talk about your eschatology versus mine. We're here to talk about a Jewish carpenter that's alive and is going to reign on the earth from Jerusalem and be a blessing to every people group in the world. So we have some notes here. We, like I said, we're not going to have time to get through all this, but I want to outline a few foundational premises. And again, I encourage you to, to, some of this content, you, you might need to wrestle with yourself in the scriptures. Don't take my word for it. Premise number one, the Gentile church has not replaced Israel. I'm going to say this slow. The Gentile church has not replaced Israel as God's redemptive people, but is rather grafted into Israel's prophetic promise through Christ. Gentiles are gathered to Israel, bound together with her as one new man. Our destiny and the destiny of the whole earth is joined to the destiny of the Jewish people. And, and, and that's offensive. To many of us, especially those of us, we got any, any bacon-loving Gentiles in here? Where are you guys at? I, I, I am so glad just for the sake of bacon. I mean, that the Lord let me be born Gentile. I mean, it's like bacon isn't going to be at the wedding supper of the Lamb. Jesus is going to show up, the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth, and he's going to be like, surprise, Boom. Don't quote me on that. But Romans 11, I'm going to read these texts, and, and this is right in the core uh, biblical teaching on Israel. As a side note, Romans, how many of you know Paul had never been to Rome when he wrote the book of Romans? He was writing to a church that he had, ne- he, not only did he not start the church, but he'd never been to the church. And Paul was recognizing a trend that the church at Rome was becoming increasingly dominant in terms of influence. And that one of the things that had happened in Rome is that it was predominantly, well, it was initially Jew and Gentile. And then the Jews were actually persecuted, kicked out of Rome. The Roman church became almost all Gentile. And then Jews were allowed back in and there was ethnic conflict. Within the church at Rome, and Paul in Romans nine through eleven. How many of you have ever heard Romans nine through eleven as like a parenthetical in the book of Romans? You get this glorious gospel narrative, Romans one through eight. We all we all love it, don't we? Get to Romans eight and we're up on cloud nine. We're like, all things work together for good. We're like, woo, it's the best. And then you get to Romans nine. You're like, Paul, you really lost the plot, man. You had us up here, and now next thing you know, we're talking about The Jewish people? Like, what are you thinking? And actually, I don't believe it was a parenthetical. I actually believe it was was a continuation of the same narrative. It really, really goes all the way through the end of Romans 11. And then he switches, as Paul does in Romans 12, to the practical applications. But it's Romans 1 through 11 is the gospel. It's not a parenthetical. It's like, it's a statement that was burning in Paul's heart for us and and specifically for gentile believers so he says verse 11 so i asked did they that's israel stumble in order that they might fall by no means rather through their trespass salvation has come to the gentiles so as to make israel jealous now if their trespass means riches for the world and if their failure means riches for the gentiles how much more will their full inclusion mean Right there, he introduces a pretty profound concept, doesn't, doesn't he? How much more would their full inclusion mean? It's like, wait a second, Paul. What are you saying? Now I'm speaking to you Gentiles, and as much as I am apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry in order that somehow to make my fellow Jews jealous, and thus save some of them. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? If the dough offered as first fruits is holy, so the whole lump, so is the whole lump. And if the root is holy, so are the branches. But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among the others, and now share in the nourishing root of the olive tree, do not be arrogant toward the branches. Do not be arrogant toward the branches. How many of you know, in the first century, the big dilemma in the church the big dilemma in the church was whether gentiles had to become jewish in order to be saved Have you ever read acts 16 or 15 excuse me the the council of jerusalem the great debate basically do gentiles need to become jewish how many of you know there's a debate in the earth right now whether jews need to become gentiles to be saved because Every promise that God made to the Jewish people, he intends to keep. All right. So that premise one is that the Gentile church has not replaced Israel, but in fact, we're grafted in with Israel. Premise number two, God's intention is to preserve. Hold on one second. I know this is kind of teachy for a prayer meeting. Uh, This is unusual even for me for a prayer meeting. But let's just let's be teachy for a minute. Can we do that? Just bear bear with us. God's intention is to preserve an identifiably Jewish people in order to display his glory. It is the it is right that messianic Jews continue in their Jewish identity. Both Jew and Gentile are saved by grace. Okay. I'm just gonna move on here. But I, I think it's important to recognize that. The preservation of the Jewish people and the restoration of the state of Israel is one of the greatest miracles to ever be put on display in the history of the earth. How many of you, you know, like the Hittite nation never got restored? The Babylonian nation hasn't been restored. You you know what I'm saying? On and on and on. The Jewish people lived without a geopolitical homeland for 2,000 years. And then in 1948, one of the greatest miracles in the history of the earth took place. The language was resurrected. Hebrew was not even spoken. The whole language got resurrected. The Jewish state was born. Then you know the story, 1967, Jerusalem became part of the Jewish state. And, and I just want to say that that was one of the greatest miracles in the history of the earth. And it's in God. Why do you think there was a Holocaust? It's not just because of the past tense purpose of God in Israel. It's because of the future tense purpose of God in Israel. Premise number three. All the prophetic promises made about Israel and the geographic Israel-Jerusalem will be fulfilled. Now this sounds like so basic. Here's the point. When the Bible says Jerusalem, guess what it means? Jerusalem. I read that for years, and every time I read Jerusalem, I put my name in it. Every time I read Israel, I'd say the church. I was just taught that by default. Every time we sang a song about Israel, it was about me. But we are grafted in, so there is an element of truth in that. But I want to tell you when it says Jerusalem, it means Jerusalem. When it says Israel, it means Israel. Changes the whole way you read the Bible. Like Zechariah 14, where it says the Messiah will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will split down the middle. And then it says that he will enter the city of Jerusalem and the nations will be surrounding the city of Jerusalem. And then it says that the Lord will be king of the whole earth. And when you read that text, when you realize that's talking about Jerusalem and the real actual Mount of Olives, not the figurative one in your imagination. In that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives and it will split in two. You ever been to the Mount of Olives? It's a real piece of real estate. You stand there and you go, oh my gosh. And then you look at Jerusalem and you go, why there? It's for God's glory, isn't it? Premise number four, God will save all of Israel. Step one, fullness of Gentiles saved. This is all Romans 11. Step two, salvation of all of Israel, the second coming of Jesus. Step three, all the Gentiles saved in the restoration of the created order. There's a lot to say in that, but Paul says it there in Romans 11. For I do not desire that you should be ignorant. How many of you know you can have a really good heart and still be ignorant? You got to be wise as a serpent and innocent as doves. You can be a pure heart and still have lack of wisdom and understanding. You need both. You need purity and wisdom. And Paul's saying, "Don't, guys, don't be ignorant on this. And I think he would say it to the Western church. Don't be ignorant right now. Don't get your information from the headlines. Don't be ignorant. And he says, because, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part, not in full, in part, has happened to Israel until... There's an end date, and it's this, until the fullness of Gentiles comes in. This is, these are the culminating verses of Paul's gospel theology. Until the fullness of Gentiles, in other words, global harvest takes place, and then all of Israel will be saved. Premise number five, God's linked the second coming of Jesus and the restoration of all things to the salvation of the Jewish people. Now, I want to say something real quick here. Um, This is not a statement of God loving the Jewish people more than Gentile people. This is not God showing favoritism. This is a divine strategy to bless every people group in the world. Can you hear me? This is not God loving Jews more than Gentiles. It's God loving Gentiles through his purposes for the Jewish people. So that's that's important to understand, isn't it? And then here's another important piece of information. The modern state of Israel is a secular state. It's not the kingdom of God. Can you hear me? The modern state of Israel, it's a miracle. It's a sign and a wonder, and the powers of the air want to destroy it. But it's not the kingdom. It's a secular state, and that's the mystery. It's the mystery of God that gets us all mixed up. So we're like, wait a second, hold up, wait. Doesn't God love the Arab people? Yes. And here's what's going to happen at the end of the day, I'm convinced. At the end of the day, we're going to stand up. And the Gentile people are going to look at the Jewish people in the age to come. And they're going to say, we love you. You gave us the scriptures. You suffered for thousands of years. And you gave us the Messiah. We love you. And we're going to honor them. And then the Jewish people are going to turn right around to the Gentiles. And they're going to say, you provoked us to jealousy. You carried the gospel. We love you. And guess what's going to happen at the end of the story? Love is going to reign through this narrative. And it's so important to understand that God's purposes transcend even our own politics. Seriously, we, we have to understand the state of Israel is a miracle, but it doesn't mean everything the state of Israel does is always God's perfect will. If, if you mix this up, you can create confusion for people. But you also have to understand the powers of the air are trying and have been to destroy the Jewish people. Because they understand there's a there's a what what I've called a prophetic loophole in Matthew 23. Are you guys familiar with this? It's powerful. It says, Matthew 23, this is Jesus looking at the city of Jerusalem. And he says, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her, how often I've wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate, 70 AD. Your house is left to you desolate. It was left to them desolate, the divine discipline and judgments of God hit Israel in 70 AD. And they were dispersed among the nations for 2,000 years. And he goes, for I say to you, Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, you will not see me, you will see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I think the satanic powers of the air are far more familiar with that verse than 99% of believers. Do you understand what Jesus just said? I'm not returning to Jerusalem until the Jewish leadership of Jerusalem declares I'm the Messiah. He just Jesus just set up a global drama like we don't even understand right there. Do you guys see that? He just set up a global drama that's going to cause us to fall in love with one another and cause Jesus' leadership to be vindicated in a way that we could—we never would have thought up this drama. But he goes, "I'm gonna. There's going to be a harsh, partial hardening on the Jewish people. The fullness of Gentiles all across." The Middle East all across Africa Asia Europe South America all across the world a billion people are gonna get saved and they're all gonna be Gentiles and then somebody's gonna get the crazy idea to call 21 days of prayer and fasting for the salvation of the Jewish people and something's gonna hit the earth and suddenly the very people that hated Jews are gonna be weeping in intercession for their fullness and their salvation and at the end of the day the Gentile church is gonna pray in a breakthrough in Israel and that breakthrough is not just unto them being saved from hell it's under the restoration of everything on the earth because it's connected directly to Jesus' physical return we're not just praying for 21 days for just for the Jewish people we're praying for God's purposes on the earth for the restoration of all things as dramatic as that is, it's real. I don't know about you, I'm gripped. When that angel showed up in the dream and said, tell David Bradshaw to pray for Israel, I had no idea that I was stepping into the, one of the, the global drama of the ages, that Jesus, Yeshua, Messiah would be all in all. That's the point. It's not God loving one people group more than another. It's God loving all people groups and having a divine strategy that works out his love unto righteousness being established on the earth. But I, I want to tell you, he is, you know, in Paul, in Paul's writings, do you remember the scripture in, in Romans nine? If you're familiar with the text, he said, I would would that I would be accursed from Christ that my brethren, the Jewish people, would be saved. That sounds kind of dramatic. I can't even really conceive of that sentence because I would rather be accursed myself, eternally damned, that my Jewish people would be saved. And some are saying, well, That's because he was ethnocentric no it's not because he was ethnocentric it's because he knew the gospel it's because he understood i think even tonight i think god wants to begin to mark us not just to debate the theological nuances around the topic of israelology which is an important conversation But I think it's got to move past just debating the nuance of this theology and move into an actual spirit of prayer where we're gripped for the purposes of God. And by the way, this is happening. I've stood in the Middle East with predominantly Muslim background believers weeping and praying for Israel's salvation. That's a miracle. That's happening all over the world right now. Okay, quickly, I'm not going to go through all of this. I I want to reference the text that we are quoting with this fast, Isaiah 62, 6 through 8. I've set watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They shall never hold their peace day or night. You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent and give him no rest till he establishes, until he makes Jerusalem... A praise in the earth. And how many of you know when it says Jerusalem, it means Jerusalem. I believe, not to be presumptuous, but even tonight, I want to ask the Lord. You know, the Bible talks about zeal for Zion. A bunch of Gentile believers sitting in Brandon, Florida, are about to get gripped with zeal for Zion. Most of us didn't wake up this morning thinking of Zion. But I want to tell you someone that did. Jesus. Aching in his heart. Not just for the salvation of the Jewish people, but for the banishing of evil, the crushing of iniquity, the establishment of justice, the redemption of the nations of the earth and the salvation of his people, Israel. You know, Jesus is seated right now in a resurrected body, and he's still the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. (laughs) He's still a Jew. God is a Jewish carpenter from Nazareth. God in the flesh. And he intends to sit on that throne of David for real on the earth, yeah? And we're part of the drama, and I just... This passage from Isaiah 62, it's a it is an eschatological, it is a passage future tense, forward-looking. This has happened in in little segments, little pockets over the years. But right now we're entering into a time where God is beginning to bring this to the forefront. People that have never thought about this stuff are now beginning to think. I'm wondering if this fast coming up right now there's gonna be whatever, 100 million praying on May 28th for the restoration of Israel, for the salvation of Israel. I wonder what's gonna happen in their hearts. A large percent of them have never thought about these concepts, but they're gonna find themselves praying for Israel and suddenly the the Lord's gonna confront them. And here's what God's confronting. I just wanna say it real simple. You ready? Pride. There's Gentile pride, there's Jewish pride, there's pride. And at the end of the day, the Lord is saying, it's really not about you. I'm going to free you from your pride. I'm going to teach you how to lean in for something other than yourself. I'm going to teach you how to put your face on the ground and cry out for a people thousands of miles away that have nothing seemingly to do with your life. And I'm going to lift you up into a divine drama. And I'm going to use your voice to do Isaiah 62 to bring a global shift on the earth, along with millions of others. We in Brandon, Florida, get to be part of a global shift, even this coming week. And I just, I don't know about you, I just, I want to be with him where he is. I just want to be with Jesus where he is. And if this is what he's thinking about, then let us be thinking about it. If Jesus wept over Jerusalem, Matthew 23, maybe we need to, to, to learn how to have some tears, not just some theological fighting points. Maybe we need to get a spirit of prayer. Maybe we need to get some weeping. So the, the loophole of Matthew 23 is one that Satan was aware of, and it is the reason, if I can say it this way, that there was a holocaust. Why did satanic powers want to wipe out the Jewish people? It's not just that he hated them for the past, it's that he knows the scriptures. He knows where it's going. He knows that there's going to be millions of Gentile believers all over the earth that begin to lift their voice. They're going to forget about their own little problems, they're going to get out of their own little bubbles. They're going to rise up above their narcissism, their ethnocentricities, their racism, and whatever else. They're going to rise up above it, and they're going to go, you know what, Jesus? I'm with you where you are. I'm going to believe for the fullness of Gentiles and the salvation of Israel. I'm going to start to dream. What would happen if we were dreaming at night about the fullness of Gentiles and the salvation of Israel? What if we were dreaming at night about Jerusalem being a praise in all the earth. Why is it a praise in all the earth? Because Jesus will be there. Praise in all the earth. I want to pray. This might, maybe this is a new topic for some of us. Zechariah 1, Zechariah says, I'm zealous for Jerusalem and for Zion with great zeal. My friend sent me a dream the other night friend of mine from years ago, I hadn't talked to him in years. He said, I had this dream where you were standing with your ATD people. And he goes, you stood up and said, God's about to bring a shift. He's about to bring a shift, even in our movement, where we begin to carry in prayer, God's purposes for Israel in a way we never have before. And he said, when you begin to say that people were mad, sad, and glad but I don't know, tonight, I don't, I'm not trying to make this moment too dramatic because we need to go back into prayer. I don't know. I just I want to pray tonight. May there be a shift. May this not be a few theological talking points. May we begin to enter into the zeal of the Lord for Zion. I want to pray right now for us. I'm just going to ask the Lord to begin to mark us. Maybe give some of us a gift of tears maybe begin to shift us from just a political position into a burden in intercession. Lord, I ask you to come now. I repent of Gentile arrogance. Lord, forgive us for our Gentile arrogance. Forgive us for despising the roots. Forgive us for replacement theology. And God, now grip us. Grip the whole earth. Grip 100 million intercessors. Ah, God, I ask you, release Isaiah 62 in the earth. Lord, I pray tonight, I pray all across Africa, all across Asia, Lord, all across South America, North America, Europe, grip your people. In this historic moment, we ask you for more than just words. We ask you for power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of words, but it's a matter of power. And that's what we pray in this little room tonight. Shift us into your narrative, Lord. Let's pray in the spirit together if we can for just a minute. We, we need the Lord's help. <laughs> For some of you, this is going to mean a burden for unreached people groups in the earth. It's going to mean a burden for the same Jesus that's the Jewish carpenter from Nazareth is weeping over Arab peoples. you understand what I'm saying right now? This is one narrative that confronts all of us. But I ask you, Holy Spirit. Actually, I really feel that. I I was sitting in Waffle House earlier today. I just realized it wasn't a coincidence. And this guy at the table next to us is going on and on about how he hates the Muslims. And I'm just like gripped. I'm like, God, have mercy on us. So God, I ask you to grip us. I ask you to grip us for the... I ask you to grip us for the nations. God, I ask you to grip us for your people, Israel. God, I ask you for zeal for Zion to come, even to this house, abide church. Lord, I pray that there would be a shift, there would be an awakening today. Let it come, Lord. Father, let zeal for Zion grip this house. Lord, I pray it would grip. I want to. We're going to transition to intercession here, but if this is stirring your heart, I want to invite you just to stand where you are and let's ask the Lord. Anybody that's just being stirred right now, even if it's just in a place of hunger, for God to begin to grip you. You might be going like, I don't even know, but I just I want to pray all over the room that God would just begin to that God would begin to touch touch us, Lord grip us now. I pray that, Lord, if if it's necessary, that you'd wake us up in the night. Come, Holy Spirit. Let it come, Lord. It's time, it's time, it's time.
2: I just felt briefly that there were some of you that um, this does go against what you were brought up with or what you thought was true. And I just felt like the Lord said, just give him permission to change the story. Give him permission to show you his heart. Give him permission to go on a journey with you in this, season, in this, especially in the next month or so. And so if that's you, I feel like the Lord's saying, it's okay that that's where you are. But does he have permission to take you on the journey and so i just want to pray um, for those that are in that category you don't need to raise your hand or anything but father i just thank you for those that this is either new or it goes against what they thought god god i just thank you that you would take them on the journey take them on the journey into your heart for israel and the nations Father, we wanna love what you love. We wanna weep what you weep for. So God, we ask God, we ask God for a supernatural encounter with your heart for Israel. We ask God for revelation, a spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of you, God. Lord, we just thank you that we'd be quick to repent, quick to throw off the old mindset as you show us things, Lord. In Jesus' name.
1: Grip us, Lord. We ask you for a holy gripping in this, Lord. Like you did with my friend Bowie years ago. But would you do it for us? Would you do it for me and my family?
3: We want to be with you where you are. We want to be with you where you are. We want to be with you where you are. We want to be with you where you are. Oh, King of the Jews. Yeah, I we want to be with you where you are.
1: Intercessors. We're beginning to shift from just supplication into intercession. Supplication is about our needs, intercession is about others. Jesus ever lives to make intercession. God's beginning to shift us into intercession. Church of Tampa Bay would get swept up by the Holy Spirit to transition out of our narcissism that we tend to have as, as humans and begin to dream the dream of God and pray the prayers of God and live the lifestyle of sacrificial love. I want to invite you to, to pray with me right now. Let's pray for the Church of Tampa Bay that God would give them the zeal for Zion as a gift. Lord, just like you did in many of our lives, you interrupted like Gio's been preaching on divine disruption. We ask you across Tampa Bay for a divine disruption related to your purposes for Israel. If we ask he'll do it, let's let's pray all over the room. God, we pray right now for mega church pastors and elders. What do you feel? Yeshua, what do you feel? Only scares eyes to
4: see, never scares to the hear what you feel for your people.
1: you that this room
5: Well, you
0: the Lord is saying this shift is going to come with the lifting of our voices that he's producing like this groan in us this groan to produce hunger to birth a pushing in the spirit for the will of God earth and for his divine purposes to be made manifest in our day and in our hour We're so I just want us not to for a hype moment but I really days. feel like we need to lift our voices for the next few moments and allow We're the Lord to use our own earth voices earth to shift days. our hearts towards Israel his plan and his purposes, and that our voice would echo throughout the earth, and would fill the throne room of God, and it would pour into the Bible, and it would pour out. the in the name of Jesus, so would you guys all of us, let's just begin to lift up our Lordship, in the name of Jesus, day. to move on to the next topic what we are praying for and interceding and laboring for is at the end of the 21 days out of a huge day of millions of intercessors around the world that he would establish his people in this rooting of prayer until so i want us to just center our hearts around the reality that the 21 days that 21st day together is not going to be the end it's literally to come forth in the name of Jesus for your justice towards your people to come forth in the name of Jesus people Come on, let's sing that
4: again. will be will be the Oh, this is how the story goes, goes. Clarity
0: that the Gentile world the Gentile Christians and the ends of the earth would see the righteousness of Jerusalem come forth in the name of Jesus and that it would just bring every political scheme every devilish scheme and dividing and plots and schemes to destroy what your hand is on we declare life and we say oh Jerusalem the day of your righteousness is coming to the earth would you just declare that the day of your righteousness is coming to the earth Gentile world to the eye, to do their eyes towards Jerusalem, uh, that their righteousness would go forth and every eye would see, every king, every politician, every ambassador, every person, every high place that would seek to do something outside of your will towards your land. Let Jerusalem come forth in righteousness in Jesus' name. feel like
1: that this chorus that Covington's been singing gonna shift the earth in 21 days I feel like we need to sing that with faith I believe that we're declaring something right now that there's an authority even even now in the place of prayer to just to begin to see a shift right here and I believe it's a prophetic word even for this house I believe this is a season of shifting into a divine alignment, a greater divine alignment. And I feel like, you know, that scripture that says, I will bless those that bless you. Speaking of Israel, bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. There's this sense of divine blessing as we begin to pray in agreement with his heart. And as we and as we participate in this, this 21 days together, I really believe I believe God is setting some things in motion in many of our lives during this 21 days. I believe that that sermon title that Gio's been preaching, Divine Disruption or Interruption, whatever, Disruption, is actually the word of the Lord. I I wonder, Covington, can we sing that chorus again? I want to sing it over the earth, and I want to sing it over this house just believe we're in a moment of transition, for real, where God wants us to come into a new alignment with his heart, both for Israel and for his purposes in our lives as individuals. We pray during this fast that this house would move into a new season. together not just another year but are asking you for an, a new alignment to come a new clarity to come a new unity to come
4: is coming jesus is coming jesus is coming coming to rule and reign there jesus is coming jesus is coming jesus is coming coming and he's coming to rule and reign in jerusalem
1: about to transition. How many of you guys just sensed the, the spirit of prayer just beginning to, to rise? The Lord's helping us just a little bit at a time. He's helping us. I um, was sitting over there and, and like my hands just were burning just with like a heat. and A lot of times that'll happen when there's like an impartational thing. And so I just want to, as we're Ending, transitioning. I don't know what Marcus wants to do, but if there's anybody that would like, just for a moment, just for prayer, for for an impartation of this prayer, this Isaiah 62 the spirit of prayer, as we're entering into the next 21 days, I just want to invite you to just come right up here around the front as we're transitioning, and we're just gonna just move down the line and pray. I do believe in that. I believe there's actual impartation that can happen through laying on of hands. And so I just feel like the Lord wanted to touch some people tonight. I know we, like I said, I know we're about to wrap up here. But Lord, we pray that as we enter into the 21 days that you would send a helper.
4: say Fire, spirit of. Birth.
6: Isn't that amazing? Hey, I, I just I, I just want to give context because we really feel like tonight was an introduction for the 21-day journey that we're going on. It's just first fruits into what the Lord wants to do, but we want to invite you guys to engage with what the Lord is doing over these 21 days. We're going to be open 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. with live sets 6 to 8, 12 to 2, 4 to 6, by God's grace. But we'll be in here, and we're just going to continue to go after this continue to give understanding but also just continuing to believe for God to encounter us in a supernatural way like like David said that it wouldn't be just something that ends on May 28th but that God has set something in motion for the rest of our lives so Wednesday night's going to remain we're still going to have Wednesday nights 6 30 to 8 30 or till we're done And there's gonna be teaching on these nights for us to continue to go deeper in this. But I just wanna ask you guys to engage. My heart just, we never really ask, but I just feel like it's a pivotal time for us. Our whole staff is shutting everything down. People are changing schedules. It's gonna be a a pivotal time. So Sunday morning, Michael Dow will be here with us and he's gonna set it in motion on Sunday morning he's going to come bring a message and we just believe it's going to be the beginning of an incredible 21 days which will culminate with us being at USF arena with 50 other churches with all eyes on Jesus praying for Jerusalem and for Israel it's going to be incredible so we love you guys I just want to ask ask the Lord how you can engage but I believe God would have that everyone would engage amen amen we love you guys have an amazing amazing night if you're still like Jackson just stay exactly where you are If not, give somebody a hug. We love you guys. Thank you, David, for that, man. We love you guys. Have an amazing night.